live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Seven days removed from a wild win at Virginia Tech. Seven days away from a showdown at Notre Dame Stadium with rival USC. Notre Dame off today, sitting at 5-1 and one on the season, giving us an opportunity to reflect on what has been an absolutely wild first half of the year and look ahead to what we can expect in the final six games. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. Thanks for joining us this morning. On tap on this morning's show, we had two poll questions. The first, the same as last week. If you are Brian Kelly, who would be your starting quarterback? The numbers have changed quite a bit in a week, but the top answer remains intriguing. Our second poll question how does Notre Dame end up? How many wins does Notre Dame end up with at the end of the year? We'll discuss both this segment. Our interview guest today is the Athletics' Pete Sampson, joining us to talk about the 2021 first half of the season, and we will give our first half of the season grades. It's midterm week, so why not give out our midterm grades for the Notre Dame team position by position? That's coming up next segment. Joined, as always, by Kevin Downey with Ilya Glasman chiming in as well on the other side of the glass. Kevin, let's start with uh, whew, last week's 32-29 come from behind win over Virginia Tech. Uh, a week later, um, I'm still not exactly sure what happened. And how it happened? Yeah, <laughs> again, it, it's another of, win, really close. One of the craziest games I've watched Notre Dame play in my in my 15 years covering the team. Yeah, the uh, yeah, what an intense game. I think the the big thing with this team is it's going to be a bunch of close games. Um, hopefully, they continue to improve, but it's <laughs> they're going to come down to the wire to fourth quarter. So, on a positive note for the team, they're really scrappy. Uh, for a fan, whew, man, it is really tough to watch because you don't know what's going to happen, and there are times when I don't know if the, at least the perception of the coaching staff knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's just wild. It's it's made for TV drama, Ange. I mean, so in six games, they obviously lost one of them, but five of the six games, Notre Dame has been down or tied in the fourth quarter. They've won one game in overtime, and then two others, they scored the game winner with less than two minutes to play. That's insane. What a first half of the season it's been. And it was capped off by this Virginia Tech game where uh, <laughs> Jack Cohn gets the start, yeah. uh, much to the dismay of the Notre Dame fan base. He does nothing, good or bad, for the first three drives. I mean, he like it was like an, it was almost like it was like there was no pulse on the stat line uh, for Cohn in the first three drives, other than getting sacked a couple times, which you know happens with him. Tyler Buckner goes in. Leads Notre Dame on two touchdown drives. Yeah, that was wild. <coughs> Tim Hasselback on the broadcast uh, declares that Tyler Buckner appears to be the quarterback for Notre Dame moving forward. And then it all falls apart in the second half. Yeah. And he throws two picks. Then he rolls his ankle. And then came the decision. Do you put Jack Cohn back in the game, who's done nothing? Or do you go to that spark, Drew Pine? I don't know. What were you thinking at that point? Did you think they should put Pine in the game at that point, or do you think they, it was a? Did you? Think- I, I did. I thought they should put Drew Pine in. I almost I, I felt weird when they they ran out Cone because I'm like, how how am I so emotionally invested in this? This is insane. Just because I val- think that Drew Pine is better, it doesn't matter. Like Kelly has all those wins, right? He won more than Rockney. He can put in whoever he wants. Why do I care? But I did care. It was so frustrating <laughs> because again, I just think. 
man, that, I don't understand why he doesn't see what I see. And again, maybe I've been a fan too long. Ten years removed from coaching, maybe I lost. Is that it. what it is now? Ten years yeah, removed? Yeah, wow, that, seasons. that is that is crazy. Ilya, uh, what did did you think they should have went to Pine at that point too? Uh, I I didn't know honestly. I I thought I didn't wasn't mad when they rolled out Cone, but I think Notre Dame herself wants Jack Cone to start because he has had every opportunity he always puts himself back in this conversation one way or another every single game we're talking should cone be the starter and it's it's crazy this season has been absolutely crazy with this quarterback carousel it's it's absolutely wild and then here's the thing I even thought throwing Buckner in that was wild and refreshing. I, I would have thought Pine would have been the second one. Well, in. but they were putting. I think they were putting Buckner in as the change of pace. Okay, and then it worked really we're well. Keep him on, yeah. and then it's like this. I is, was impressed with him. Yeah, and then he ran out of material, obviously, <laughs> and and then it got very unimpressive very fast. Yeah. And I don't know if they would have pulled him anyway, despite the rolled ankle, which would have been interesting if they would have decided to take him out of the game anyway. I wasn't sure. The only reason I did understand Cone going back in because at least he had played in the game. So you're like, yeah. At least I thought we were just going to roll the script and have Pine come in again at fourth quarter win. Here's the, but here's the, or give yourself a chance. For here's it. the part that was funny. I tweeted, well, the way this game's going, Cone is going to lead him down, get the touchdown, two point conversion, and he'll lead him to an overtime win. And I was being, if they had the sarcastic <laughs> font, like I wanted to put it in there. And then not only does he lead him back to victory, he does it in regulation. Like, that's the craziest part. And Jonathan Dorr, let's make sure we actually mention the kid's name, kicks the game-winning field goal for the second time. I know he hasn't been perfect this year, but when it comes down to the kick. Yeah, to actually win it. (laughs) Yeah. he's He might be the first-half hero. He's won two games for Notre Dame. So it's crazy when you look at it, but I just don't know. I mean, and by the way, you know who else didn't know what the heck happened in the game? Brian Kelly. Here's what he had to say after the game as he was like as off the rails as you could be post game. They just kept playing uh, unfazed um, by the circumstances. And and look, in particular, I mean, you take Jack Cohn out of the game. He's the first one to pick up Tyler Buckner on the field when he's hurt. And he's prepared himself mentally to go back in the game and lead two drives. Um, You guys should be uh, thinking about great things to write about that guy because that doesn't happen very often. But you'll find find negative things to write about this game, and that's why I don't really care. Because as a coach, what I take from these games is watching a guy like a Jack Cone come in under those circumstances – and rise above it. It was just, for me, incredibly enjoyable to watch him play. I mean, hilarious, because, Brian, you're the one that benched him. Good point. we, We didn't bench him. You're the one that benched him multiple times this year. By the way, here's the stat, I think, the stat of the season. Jack Cohen has started all six games. Like... Have you? If you thought about that for a second, you're like, no, wait uh, a minute. True. Wait, didn't uh, he actually has started all six games? Like, isn't that kind of crazy to think about? Like, you're almost like they got all these quarterbacks. 
He started all six games. I, I almost don't realize that he did until I actually had to think about it. Well, I'm there's like, so much quarterback drama. I'd I mean, say the, the stat to remember for me is that they've given up 24 sacks, Notre Dame at quarterback, and 22 of them have been cone. So oh, it's sure. not just your feeling like, oh, maybe yeah. he doesn't move real well in the pocket. No, like he 22 doesn't. times yeah. out of 24, he did get sacked. Okay, but here's the thing. They obviously have something going at the end of the game. Yeah. With the, the with the tempo offense. Yeah. Can they play that all the time? For sure. Why yeah. not, right? I, Maybe I, that would be a good, it, yeah. It felt like a stupid question. Like, obvi- I would think obviously, but yeah. I, I, I mean, why not? They could do it. When Kelly was at uh, Grand Valley State and <laughs> actually at Cincinnati, he was known for the fast pace. And, and that's what he said he was going to do at Notre Dame when yeah. he arrived here, too. Yeah, it's not like, a bad deal. Maybe, so, maybe that's what they got to do because he's great in the final five minutes of the game back against the wall. How about they just tell him, Jack, you're down. We just benched you and brought you back. Yeah. You get one more chance. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, Jack, you will be benched if you don't score a touchdown on this drive. Go and do it. And maybe, maybe he will. I don't know. I mean, come on. Well, the score-by-period stat, I thought this stood out, too. So, in the first quarter, Notre Dame scored 14 points and their opponents 26 when you combine all the games. Wow. So, they're always starting out down. But then, fourth quarter, 76 points for Notre Dame, 48 for the opponents. Crazy. Yeah, I mean. Just crazy. Well, I mean. That's what you see, but to see the numbers, that's wild. You know who deserves a shout-out on that end, then, that we haven't mentioned? That's Matt Bayless, the strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. Because this team is good to go at the end of the game. They've got they've and all got the, the games are close. And all the games are close. <laughs> like you wish they were better to go early on, but you gotta give them credit. All right, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than eighty years. Get a debit or credit card from Notre Dame FCU and take it a little bit of Notre Dame with you wherever you go. Memoro not for profit banking is the way to go. You're a share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Our poll question was who should start a quarterback against USC? Now, we asked this question last week, not mm-hmm. against USC, but against Virginia Tech. Last week, Jack Cohn got 11% of the vote. Drew Pine got 83%. Tyler Buckner, 6%. This week, I, I'm like, let's ask it again because I'm interested <laughs> what's going to happen here. Cohn got 28%. Buckner got 28%. Pine got 44%. So people still think Drew Pine should start the, against yeah. USC. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think they should start against USC? Well, clearly, I have issues because I still think Ten Pine is their best quarterback. But I wasn't. I was impressed with how uh, Buckner had a chance to like run a normal offense. Um, and then if Cone's the guy, which apparently from what Kelly's saying, I mean, he really likes this guy. He really likes him. So yeah, I mean. Maybe they should just adapt the offense, go two-minute drill the whole time, and play to his strengths. Here's a, I, I, I've been joking in my head, maybe Buckner should start the game. And then the change of pace guy's cone. And, and, and like, Buckner plays two drives, play his best plays. Yeah, yeah. And then get him out of the and game around, and yeah. let Cone come in and Cone can start throwing the ball downfield and maybe it'll, you know what, you've, 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 Surprise! Why not try Drew? Give that kid a, a well, first quarter how, snap. Look, I think Cone should start. Here's why: How do you not start him after he just five led you to? Yeah, and no, 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 not even the five and one. He just led you to victory in the last game. Like, how do you not start him? Like, there's no way Brian Kelly is not starting him. And I don't know how. Now, if he came in and they lost the game, I think it would be thick-headed 
which Brian Kelly is, but it would be thick-headed to continue to go with Cone. But they won the game because of Jack Cone. I mean, you know, he didn't help them the first three drives, but they won in the end because of him. So I think you have no choice. Okay, here's uh, Kelly on Cone coming in at the end, then also talking about Buckner, but first on, on Cone at the end of the game. You watched what I watched. He was decisive. The ball came out of his hands. The reads were correct. Um, and it looked like it was shooting fish in the barrel, you know, with with the timeliness of the ball coming out of his hand compared to where it was earlier. Is that, is that the kind of thing you're seeing in practice? At least yeah. The game? Yeah, listen, we live with these guys. And, and so <laughs> – that's the hard part, right? You know, we see him every day. I didn't name him, you know, the starting quarterback because it came up on the Ouija board. You know, it's just that's the way it is. We see him every day, and we're like, that's what he does. And then, yeah, it was uneven to start. That's why we pulled him and went with Buckner. And, you know, he did some nice things, but you saw his – he's young. He's going to be really good. But, you know, we're trying to figure this thing out too, um, you know, as we go. And – piece it together that's why i'm so proud of the guys that uh you know just hung in there i wish it wasn't this hard but it is right now and you know we're, we're battling through it okay he said yeah that's what we see in practice it makes me think i think kevin did, are you the one that's almost a did joke you, yeah did you like, te- did maybe you, he's drew pine's a horrible practice is, player. you text that right he's got to be the worst <laughs> practice player in the world i mean he's got to be right I it's mean, just a yeah there's it has to be something that we don't see see and uh, actually coming up in our interview with Pete Sampson later on in the show, we talk a little bit more uh, about that situation and, and what maybe is the actual thing that's going on there. And he's got it. Well, and I guess to all of their credit, um, again, we don't know behind the scenes, but at least on TV, they look like they still interact with oh, yeah, their they're teammates getting along. with each other. Yeah. Everything's good. And again, as a, a fan... <laughs> Whew, it's hard. It's like a, a soap opera. You never know who's going to go in at quarterback or what's going to happen. All right. Uh, offensive line. They put Joe Alt, Andrew Kostafik in the game on the left side. Uh, 300 pounders. It seemed to make a difference. It seemed uh, like they especially got Especially in the second half. Um, look, he got protection at the end. Mm-hmm. They were. It was better than, than they were. And the fact that they won this game without Michael Mayer. Yeah. They, they, they had to get some... A run game going. They got it going. It wasn't like what it was last year, but it was certainly a lot better than it's been. I mean, that's yeah. a positive sign moving forward. No, and again, the past at least four years, uh, Kelly and their coaching staff have shown improvement during the season, which makes a big difference. All right. How many wins does Notre Dame end up with at the end of the season? That was our other poll question. We've asked this question in various ways uh, throughout the year. 11 wins only got 36% of the vote. 10 wins got 50% of the vote. 9 wins got 12%. 8 or fewer got 2, 2%. What, uh, what's your vote? I have absolutely no idea. I think they could <laughs> win or lose any game. It's, yeah. And it'll come down to the wire. Like it, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the combination of youth, inexperience, the injuries that they've been through, multiple quarterbacks playing – Whew. Yeah, who knows? New defense coordinator. I still think that plays heavily on what happens on the field. Yeah, I'm going with 10 
simply because to what you're saying, they will get burned in one of these games if they continue playing like this, and I think they're going to continue playing I think like this, this is their team, yeah. Yeah, this is who they are. Some teams are not going to be that good, and they should hopefully have a Purdue-like performance where you actually like pull away at some point. But there's going to be a bunch of games, I think, that are like this. Yeah. And one of them is going to burn you. Ilya, what's, what's your take? I, I'm i going with 11 because wow. I, I don't – well, it's not because – I'm not saying that Notre Dame's this awesome team or anything. There's just not a single team on their schedule that I think can actually, like – there's not a losable game anymore. Like well, North yeah. Carolina is here's, doing Here's great. what's losable though, themselves. Right. I mean, yeah. look at, yeah. at Toledo. I mean, again, they were they they, they needed a game winning drive from Jack Cohn with two minutes left against Toledo. Toledo. Yeah. I mean, no. you can't tell me you don't think USC could beat Toledo and Notre Dame barely did it. Again, I'm not saying Notre Dame's this awesome team. I just don't think the rest of the teams that they're playing on the schedule are better than them. They should win every game. As long as they don't beat themselves, they'll win every game. Yeah, uh, but I think they will. That's the thing. I think they will beat themselves at least once. And in some ways, they beat themselves against Cincinnati. In some ways, Cincinnati proved, hey, they're now the third-ranked team in 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 the, in the country. So they're pretty good. All right, uh, to round out the schedule, it's... Uh, USC next week they're three and three. North Carolina on October thirtieth they're three and three. <laughs> November sixth Navy one and four at Virginia November thirteenth they're four and two. That's probably the best team left on the schedule. Yeah. November twentieth Georgia Tech's three and three. November twenty seventh at Stanford three and three. Stanford uh, playing a little bit better at least, and so that's a possibility too. And who knows how much better they might be? Who knows how much better Notre Dame will be? And if there's any more injuries, all these things come into play. Yeah. Um, I think I think Ilya is right that they're the favorite in each one of these games the rest of the way, Kevin. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I think they're gonna win every one of them. I just I I just think the team plays close to their level, of their opponent, and it, if you look, it comes down to the fourth quarter. Like sometimes they'll do it, sometimes they won't. But as, to their credit, they have found a way to win. Still to come, I chat with Pete Sampson of The Athletic as he gives his take on this year's Irish squad. And up next, it's our midseason, midterm grades, position by position. Don't go away. Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this. Elevate 150 Financial Checkups at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Here's how it works. Go online and schedule a 30-minute phone call. They'll guide you through your credit report to find ways to improve your financial health. Then they'll send $150 in your name to Redeemer Radio. For information, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame FCU. And welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey back with you. Ilya Glasman on the other side of the glass chiming in as well. Notre Dame on the bye this week. The Irish are 5-1 and one midway through the season. So time now for our midterm grades. It was, after all, midterm week for Notre Dame this week. So why not give out our grades position by position? As we did through the first three games, we started with the offensive line. I think we have to start there again because they basically uh, bring down the rest of the offense. After three games, Kevin gave a C minus D plus, which I don't know why he couldn't commit to something, but he didn't. <laughs> Ilya gave a D, and I gave a C minus. Kevin, where are you right now through six games? 
still non-committal. I think they're about the same. They're C minus D plus. They're even though a lot of different people have played at different times, different combinations have done well, and then at different times, different uh, people have done really poorly. I think it's hurt the overall offense. Elliot, so. uh, I went from a D to a D plus uh, simply because when Buckner was in the game, you saw they were actually able to run the ball because the defensive ends are have to sit back a little threat. bit. They're not like pinning their ears back. So I can't completely blame the or put all the blame on the offensive line in terms of struggles. I think there's a mix, so I went D plus. Actually it's funny. I went from C minus to D plus and the reason was they lost the game. And I'm like, okay, I let them get maybe a better grade than I thought they deserved because they figured out ways to win those mm-hmm. first three games. And once they lose, it's like, yep, it was the quarterback management, but it's also you guys. Right. And you're a big factor in, in, in losing to Cincinnati as well. So that's kind of why I dropped them down. I think I'm hoping for Notre Dame. Obviously, we all hope, but I think we saw glimmer of hope in this game that maybe, that maybe the right these grades are going to be more like C+. Plus. I don't think they're getting in B minus range. If they get to B minus, that would be an incredible point, right? I mean, <laughs> they would really improve. I mean, they would have to be. Well, in reality, they'd have to be an A in the second half of the season by the end of the mm-hmm. year to get to to a B overall. I just don't. I just don't see it. But again, with that, those changes on the offensive line, I think it's a possibility that they're they're making improvements. Okay, so uh, the run game is like dead last in Power Five. I think they are literally dead last in power five and yards per <laughs> yards per carry. And yet I think we're all giving decent grades to the running running backs because yeah. those guys are doing good stuff. Kevin gave an A through three games. Ilya gave a B minus and I gave a B. Kevin, where are you now? I'm still an A. I think Kyron Williams is one of the best players that they have. He can block, he can run the ball and a credit to Tommy Reese. They actually put him out at wide receiver. He caught that little uh, five yard out for a touchdown. Like it just yes, get him the ball. Yes, he's he's that good. And then also uh, Chris Tyree, he's one of their you know top ten receivers too. So he he's caught thirteen passes as well. So Williams is number two in receptions with nineteen. Tyree's in there with thirteen. So they're using their those guys well, even though they can't run the ball. All right, that's that's an interesting take, Ilya. Where where are you going? Yeah, I went uh, from a B minus to a B. Williams had his best day uh, or best game of the season last week. Um, Tyree was out in the second half. Turf toe, yeah. Turf toe. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, and Logan Diggs, a true freshman, came in yeah. and he performed really well. He even had a catch in the final uh, drive to score that. Um, the tying touchdown in those final five minutes or so. So he did very well. So I'm very happy with that. Yeah, and I upgraded them a little bit too. I went from a B to a B plus. It's crazy to think they have the worst rushing average in the country and we're giving, we're still, yeah. we're giving yeah. out such good grades. But that's <laughs> that's maybe the reason why we're giving out D pluses to the offensive line. All right. This should be interesting. Quarterbacks. After three games, Kevin had B, Ilya had C plus, and I had a B. Kevin, where are you through uh, six games. Uh, I'm a confused grader, but I'd say C. I think they're just average. I think n- if we're always having this discussion on all three people. What are we I, doing here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And uh, I never know who they're really going to put out there. So I, I don't know. And then they'll make great plays too. So who knows? 
Yeah, I also went a C because they're consistently inconsistent. So <laughs> they make a great play and then they screw up. And they make a great play and then they screw up. And also they lost a game. I kind of used the same logic as Angelo. They lost a game, so got to drop them from a C plus to a C. Yeah, I dropped them from a B to a C. Um, I was putting a lot of the blame early on on just the offensive line, and I think the quarterbacks have to get some of the blame. And, and maybe not just the individual players, but the management of the quarterbacks. We'll talk about coaching later on, but that, that, that plays a factor. I think I think uh, there's no way around it. They're not playing uh, – if you, you still – look, Brian Kelly said, we have to go with one singular guy, and in the end, obviously not. He no. went Cone, Buckner, back to Cone. And who knows if he was thinking about putting Pine in there or not. Um, obviously, he didn't do it. But, I mean, they easily could have been three quarterbacks in that game again. And I'm not going to be surprised that they might be in this range again. So, yeah, I, I went with C. We we all think they're consistently inconsistent with Cs. <laughs> so, yeah. well, well played there. All right. Uh, wide receivers. Kevin had a C after three games. Ilya had a B plus. I had a B minus. Kevin, where are you at now? I think that they've improved. I think that they're a, a B I think that they're pretty good. You know, you have um, Avery Davis has 18 catches. Kevin Austin has 18 catches. Braden Lindsay has 15 catches. Like, that's that's pretty solid. That's If we would have had that last year in our minds, we would have been overjoyed at this radio station. Ilya? Uh, I, I dropped him down from a B-plus to a B-minus. There were some key drops in that Cincinnati game and some stuff. Kevin but they, o- The yeah. Kevin Off symbol. But was, he made up for it last week yeah, with that two-point conversion. You know what? His, we haven't talked about that. That yeah. play was phenomenal. And his face mask was getting pulled down. There was a great shot from the South Bend Tribune. Yeah, Robert a lot Franklin. Of credit. Yeah, Robert was a, Franklin with a great picture. Great picture seeing his face mask getting pulled. Yeah, it was awesome. And also that fi- those last two drives to score the tying touchdown and to get them the game winner, they made some big, big catches. So b minus all right uh so you went to a b minus okay yes um i am in between you guys i stayed right at a b minus i i see both of your points yep. and they evened out for me <laughs> so i kept them right at a, a b minus uh tight ends after three games kevin had an a Ilya had a b and i had an a minus michael mayer did not play last week yeah. hopefully he is back for usc next week uh what do you got kevin now after six games I still think, uh, well, A minus now because Michael Mayer, when he's in, and even with them not playing, he's still their leading receiver, not playing the whole game. Um, and he's just a talent, even though he's young. Ilya? I stuck with a B. You know, they haven't, you know, outside of Michael Mayer, they haven't done anything spectacular. Uh, they've been solid, though, to be fair. Um, and you even saw without Michael Mayer, they actually helped out the left side this time or last week <laughs> against Virginia Tech. So they must be listening to the show um, quite often, listening to my uh, takes. Yes, so. I'm, I'm, I imagine the coaches are <laughs> driving in in the morning listening to Ilya's take on, on things. I, I downgraded them to a B plus, actually based on what Ilya has pointed out about what's there after Michael Mayer. Yeah. And you don't see too much. I, I'm not blaming those guys. They just mm-hmm. don't have the experience yet, but they're still they, – they weren't going Takis, Takis, Takis when Mayer was out of the game, right? I mean, they, they just were going to uh, to other areas. 
All right, before we go to uh, the defense, I want to say big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience helping out with our broadcast of high school football. Wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. Okay, let's let's talk about the defense now. After uh, three games, defensive line, uh, Kevin, you had a C plus. Ilya was the exact opposite at A plus. Yeah, and I was in the middle at B plus. Uh, Kevin, what do you think now? I think this group has improved. I think that they're a B. I think they're good. The person that stands out to me that's really kind of come on is uh, number seven Isaiah Foskey. He's leading them in sacks with uh, six, and then he's also leading them in tackles for loss with six. I, he's one that kind of just stands out, and I know he's he's kind of a hybrid guy in between a linebacker, defensive lineman, but as far as a rush end and a, pa- a consistent pass rush, I'm really impressed with him and yep. the group as a whole. Yeah. Ilya? Yeah, Kevin just doesn't want to admit that he's wrong. That's why he's stuck with the B. <laughs> I still went A-plus because they've been absolutely fantastic star of the, this defense right now. They get to the quarterback. They stop the run. Uh, they're doing fantastic. So I, I stuck with a B plus. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with either of your statements. I think they're um, very good. I don't think they're as good as last year's defensive line. But they've definitely improved since game one. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still in the same level. To be, to, uh, They've improved, but not enough that, uh, you know, everybody should improve. <laughs> Right, I mean, by game from game three to game six, everybody should be better than what they were. Did they improve enough that they make that much more of a difference? I think they're still the same solid B plus unit that they were through three games. They haven't gotten worse. They haven't gotten uh, exponentially better. They're better, but not exponentially better to give them a higher grade. All right, uh, let's go to the linebackers. After three games, Kevin had a B minus. Ilya had a B plus, and I had a B. Kevin, what do you say now? Um, I don't think those guys have improved or <laughs> or gotten worse i think that they're about they're who they are so b minus um again with some of the outside linebackers they do good job uh, when they're asked to do linebacker things but with the new defensive schemes at time they have them um kind of overreach and they're supposed to cover people that maybe safeties would be a little bit better my own personal opinion Ilya. Um, I went A minus. I improved them. I thought, or I think, from where they were the game against Florida State to this previous game, I think they've vastly improved. I think they've done better tackling. I think they're uh, getting a hang of this defensive scheme a lot better, which obviously they should. So I went A minus. I think they've done very well given the depth that they have at linebacker, especially. I upgraded them as well. Mm-hmm. I went from B to B plus. I think uh, J D Bertrand has been the unsung hero of this team. Drew White is Drew White mm-hmm. and has done his things. And I think Jack Kaiser has been he's been really good. You don't have to worry about him. A reminder, he only started like one game last year. Yeah. And you haven't had to worry about Jack Kaiser all year. Um I think I think this unit's been very, very good and I think they're they're a B plus unit. Um, all right, secondary. After three k- games, Kevin had a C plus. Ilya had a B plus. I had a B. Where are you at now, Kevin? I'm still a C plus. I think really? that they're a wow. li- little bit better than average, but pretty average. Wow. 
much. I that that surprises <laughs> me. Uh, Ilya, where are you at? Yeah, I'm at a solid A. I mean, okay. they've been absolutely fantastic. They're getting picks, yeah. which is what That's Marcus true. Freeman wants out of the defense like this. They're playing solid coverage. Kyle Hamilton is still a beast, um, and they're tackling better in space uh, outside of that one third down last week uh, against Virginia Tech where he tried to shove him or something i don't know with the shoulder but outside of that they're getting picks everyone's contributing they're doing absolutely fantastic there are eight players with interceptions yeah but three of those are linebackers too so it's a good team effort i i'm going i upgraded them to a b plus because i think i said it was kyle hamilton and everyone else and i think the corners have now shown that they're more than just anything everybody else and so i upgraded them all right uh real quick now uh special teams uh, Kevin B minus Ilya A Angelo B minus now through six games. Kevin, what do you got real quick? B minus. Wow, you're still that low, <laughs> Ilya. I want A minus. A minus. I go B plus. You downgraded them, which is only because of the Chris Tyree fumble, fumble against Cincinnati. But, right. but you had the Chris Tyree touchdown, and you had Jonathan Dore with a game-winning field goal. So I had to go up to to B plus. Uh, coaching through three games. Kevin had B. Ilya C plus. Angelo B minus. What do you got now? C plus for yeah. me. Ilya? I'm going solid B because despite this crazy season, they're still 5-1. and one. You can't say that about a lot of teams. All right. I went from B-minus to C-plus because they lost the game since we last did a grade, and that's on the coaches. <laughs> when you lose a game, that's that's on you. Yep. Overall, through three games, Kevin C-plus, Ilya C-plus, Angelo B through six games. What do you got now, Kevin? C-plus. I think they're better than average. All right. Ilya? I'm going B because of what I just said. Like they're still finding ways to win despite not being a good team. Maybe coaching and overall should be the same category. I'm <laughs> downgrading him for B minus because they should have. Uh, well, they lost the game again, and that, yep. that that downgrades you a little bit. All right, guys, thank you very much. Up next, Pete Sampson of the Athletic joins us to chat about this year's team. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. We know you like football, so do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day, free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. I'm Angel DiCarlo as we continue our midseason evaluation of Notre Dame football with the Irish sitting at 5-1 and one on the season. We figured it made sense to bring in someone who has been around Notre Dame football for a long time to give us their take. Pete Sampson does an excellent job covering the Irish, first at Irish Illustrated and now over the last few years at The Athletic. Mike Tirico said on Twitter during the Notre Dame Virginia Tech game, quote, Hope all ND fans are following Pete Sampson. His coverage is top-notch. I agree. So that's why we welcome Pete Sampson in for an interview segment this week to get his take on the Irish midway through the season. All right, Pete, thanks uh, Thanks for jumping on the line with us and, and talking a little Notre Dame football. Uh, first of all, remind me, how many years have you been on the beat now? Oh, what a great place to start. This is my 21st season, so I have uh, I have seen a lot of things uh, around Notre Dame football. Some good, some bad, some just completely off the rails, and I feel like this season uh, has been a little bit of everything, but uh, we've got some good off-the-rails moments so far. 
six games into this one. 21 years, off the rails moments. How off the rails does uh, last week's game rank for you in the all-time uh, <laughs> ranks of games you've covered? In terms of Notre Dame wins, I, I feel like the only one that is up for like discussion would be Pittsburgh in 2012 when Notre Dame was down big the week after Oklahoma. And you're like, holy cow, they're, they're shot at competing for a national championship is coming to an end here against a team that's just not very good. Um, but last week, I mean, you had the stakes were lower, right? But the, the multiple quarterbacks, you bench your starter and then bring them back and win at the end, the two-point conversion catch from a Kevin Austin. All, I mean, it's... That was that was a wild one. Um, I've never I've never covered a game quite like that. And you know, after 21 years, you sort of feel like you've seen everything. Uh, but I had not seen that. If you had to throw in losses, where would this one rank? I I feel like nothing can top Bush push in okay. 2005. Uh, in just terms of like, what am I watching? Um, you know, and I think even you'd probably go like Navy 2007. That's a good one. Was just so strange. Um, you know, Navy 2010 would be in the running for like, I can't believe what I'm watching. Um, but in terms of wins, either last weekend was one, which feels like kind of some recency bias, but it, it's at least in the top two or three for me. I, I wasn't around for Bush push the the two Navy games. I was the other one I throw in would be South Florida. Uh, that just had. Yes. That had the insanity of everything off the field and on the field, right? Because Reese comes in at yeah. halftime. What was it? The ninety-seven yard punt re- or uh, fumble return for a touch? You know that thing had everything in it too. So, but it, it is crazy that this one just ranks up there. And I feel like that would be the case for Brian Kelly too, based on the way he was interacting with all of us post game. That felt like the Brian Kelly after a loss. I don't mean that in like a bad way. I don't think, I mean, he was a little combative, but it felt like his mood after the game was usually what we would see in like 2013 or 2014 after a loss. That was the personality that showed up, I guess is is the way I'm saying it. There was definitely, I don't know if it was exasperation. It was probably a little bit. There was certainly some exhaustion in there. I think there was certainly some like, admission that like you guys saw how ridiculous this was uh i'm gonna sort of get my guys back here but like i know that you know that was ridiculous uh and so he there was a little bit of performance art for him on saturday night but i think you know some of it was certainly authentic because it's just like you know you spend all week on the quarterback who's it going to be is it going to be jack Cohn? is it going to be drew pine we hadn't we sort of thought tyler buckner was like a sidebar to the whole thing and then after all that evaluation, Jack Cohn comes in in the first three series. You're like, that's it. Like, this is this is the guy that is lighting it up in practice, but can't move the ball to start the game. And then it just got weirder and weirder from there. All right. Lighting it up in practice. And Brian Kelly was asked about that. Right. And he goes, yes, yes. That's the guy we see. You know, Yeah. how bad do you think Drew Pine must be in practice? It's got to be a practice issue, right? I mean, that's the, that's the only explanation that you could get to it. I mean, it is interesting. You know, you and I, we've been to a, thousands of Brian Kelly press conferences, and I think we know how to, like, parse what he says and take what's important and sort of cast aside some of the theatrics. But 
I do think it's interesting. I asked Brian Kelly about Drew Pine and sort of the fourth down uh, misconnection with uh, Braden Lindsay against Cincinnati. And he was very detailed and quick to explain, like, that's a read a quarterback has to make. You know, he's talking about the coverages, the route conversions, all that kind of stuff. I think that's where Drew Pine just doesn't have it, where he's a lot closer to Tyler Buckner in terms of his, like, just football understanding. So it's like, I don't know if Drew Pine is bad in practice as much as, like, I think Drew Pine just doesn't have a sophisticated understanding of the offense the way that maybe we would think that he had based on the touchdown to Kevin Austin against Wisconsin or the deep shot to Braden Lindsay against Cincinnati. You know, the scramble drills, while exciting to watch, I don't think are something that coaches necessarily, like, are in love with because it's, like, it's a breakdown of a play, right? It's the the quarterback being unable to find somebody open. So I, yeah, I don't know if it's a question of like, man, what does Drew Pine look like in practice or does Jack Cohn in practice look like the guy who ended the Virginia tech game on a regular basis? So either way, it's sort of a question of like, how do you take what you're seeing in practice and make it more regular in games? Um, I think that was part of the exasperation for Brian Kelly. It's just like, you're seeing Jack Cohn fourth quarter against Virginia Tech on Tuesdays and Wednesdays regularly. So then why the heck are you seeing the beginning of the Virginia Tech game regularly on Saturdays from, from a guy that you know can do more than what he's doing at the beginning of some of these games? Pete Sampson from The Athletic joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame on the bye this week. They'll be back in action next Saturday against USC night game at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, it's interesting, Pete. I did a Twitter poll last week, and we know Twitter is always right. And 83% uh, voted that they thought Drew Pine should be the starting quarterback, which is such an enormous number, but 83%. Now, I did the same exact question this week just to see the temperature, right? And Pine still won. Now, the numbers came down, and it was much more even. But Pine still won, which makes me wonder, and I know I joke, I joke that Twitter's always right, obviously, but there's obviously a segment of the fan base that will not let go of this Drew Pine thing until they were seen evidence that he shouldn't be the guy, right? So is Brian Kelly um, in a dangerous spot if come USC – the same problems that we've seen all year happen all over again, and heaven forbid Notre Dame loses one of these games because of the quarterbacks. Because I think in some ways, fans felt they lost the game against Cincinnati because of the quarterback play, and I don't think they're necessarily wrong in that opinion. There's other mm-hmm. things that are in play, but that was certainly a thing. If they lose a game in the next few weeks because of the quarterback play, it... Are they in danger of losing the fan base in, in in some ways beyond the normal Notre Dame fan base going ballistic? You know, more than normal, probably not. Uh, but man, that that is going to be a really tense post game, and frankly, the rest of the season because it's like I think at what you're right that you look at the Cincinnati game, how the quarterback play was managed. Cincinnati was poor, um, like. I, I don't know if Brian Kelly would admit to that, but it just, they were not getting the best out of Buckner or, or Capone, obviously. Uh, and then Pine comes in and gives them a spark. Like again, Pine was an under 50% pass from that game. So I, I think they're the farther we get away from that game. I think some people feel like he, Pine went 20 of 21 for 312 yards. Um, yeah, that, of 22. Just, that, yeah, that's just not what happened. 
Um, but there's no doubt at a place like Notre Dame, people love an underdog story. Drew Pine is an underdog quarterback. He's not the hotshot four-star freshman that Tyler Buckner is, nor is he sort of the guy that you know the good and the bad of in Jack Cohn. Um, he's certain, you know, it's kind of an unproven commodity. And I, I think people sort of gravitate towards his story. Um, you know, he's got some moxie to him. People like that. But I mean, if I'm Notre Dame, like the quarterback that I most want to get right is Tyler Buckner. Yeah. That's to me, that's the guy. Um, and I think if you're a Notre Dame fan and you haven't come around to that idea, just let me tell you, like the coaching staff believes that Tyler Buckner is the kind of quarterback who can not only get Notre Dame to the playoff, which Ian Book did, but can win in the playoff. Like that he's that level of talent. Drew, Drew Pine is not there physically. Yeah, I don't, he's, he doesn't have sort of the DNA to be that way. Um, he may be a gamer and a guy who can get you out of a tough spot. I think he can start at a lot of places, but I don't think he's a guy that the staff feels like he can get us to the playoff and win in the playoff. And ultimately, that's what Notre Dame's trying to do. If before the season, I would have told you six games in, the fan base would be demanding Drew Pine play and not demand Tyler Buckner play, what would you have said? No, uh, they're three and three. I mean, the season would be totally off the rails at that point. That that's that that would be the only way that I could get. But at, that but, spot but at three three and three, you would have thought that they would have been asking for Buckner, like play for the future and be done. I'm, I I just there's no scenario in my head where I could have ever <laughs> imagined that the fan base would be like play Pine over over Buckner before the season started. Obviously, we've seen why they feel that way right now, but I would have never have guessed that you know before the year started. Yeah, I mean you. It, you would have to see – well, I mean, you have to see Buckner look like Buckner's look short of the second quarter against Virginia Tech where it's just like, ooh, this guy's kind of limited right now. He's got a long way to go, which is which is fine. Uh, but that's that's the only way. I mean, I mean, even the Wisconsin game, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, Drew Pine was on the field for a fourth-quarter comeback. To say that Drew Pine brought Notre Dame back, I think, is just grossly inaccurate. But, like – He's been. He will be in the story of like why Notre Dame goes ten and two or eleven and one this season. Like he'll be a part of that. You know, not a huge part, but a significant part. I understand why fans can sort of identify with him a little bit. What's your take on the way Brian Kelly has spoken in the media this year? In terms of post game, he's like, you know, you guys got to write him positive stuff about Jack Cohen, but you won't, and I don't care, which obviously means he cares. And uh, and and it's like, dude, you're the one that benched him. We didn't bench him. Yeah. A- and then all of a s- and then all obviously throwing in the walk-ons at the last second. It-, it feels like he's trying to create an internal us against the world mentality. And I don't know if you saw this. I guess post game on the radio, he was complaining about there not being enough Notre Dame fans in the building. And so it was interesting. Like he's almost trying to create something in his locker room to get the guy to give that guy's an extra edge. I don't know. Is that are you seeing it the same way as I am? Maybe not quite that. I mean, it's interesting that he noted the fans because, like, in the press box in Lane Stadium, I looked out and like this has to be the smallest turnout of Notre Dame fans I've ever seen for a road game. Um, so it's, it's interesting that he also noted that. But like, I think he's just like, you know what? I'm the all-time winningest quarterback or all-time winningest head coach here. Like, I can say whatever I want. Like, I think he's just sort of letting it rip. Um, 
he is as comfortable in the job as he's ever been, probably as he ever will be uh, right now. And like, he's got, he just got a lot of credibility built up around Notre Dame, maybe not with a Notre Dame fan base necessarily, but like with Notre Dame itself where he can say what he wants. Um, you know, they're on what the streak of what they're, they're 34 and six over the last three plus seasons. I think, yeah, he, I think he's just in a good spot. Like, has, did he, has he handled the quarterback situation perfectly? Not even close. Um, ultimately, I think they, they, what he will do will prove to be right at the end. But, um, you know, the walk-on stuff was super awkward. Uh, I don't still don't quite grasp it. Um, you know, he, I, I think even the preseason, we were there for those press conferences. I thought he was, like, very jokey. Yeah. He was like, like he was happy back. to see us again. Yeah, just like I think he's just sort of like comfortable in his own skin. And like, as you know, I mean, he's made some awkward jokes along the way. I mean, you go back to post game <laughs> Florida State. Um, I just think he's sort of like letting it rip and doesn't doesn't necessarily care um, what people say. Although, I mean, as you know, like the whole like you're going to find something negative to write about this game. And I don't care. Like that shows that he does care at least yeah. a little bit. Uh, Pete Sanson from The Athletic joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Uh, Pete, you asked Drew White uh, after the game, I think it was you, uh, can you guys continue winning this way? It was something yeah. kind of Brian Kelly referenced. What do you think? Can they? I think that they can win five of the next six this way. Uh, but uh, I think the, the, the idea that Notre Dame is going to go 11-1 playing like this is kind of a kind of a tough ask. Um they they need to get some things figured out uh, at quarterback. I think they got some things figured out along the offensive line um, on Saturday night, where like, at least they can sort of rely on below average offensive line play by Notre Dame standards, which is a massive improvement from where they were. You know, defensively, I think they've got some things figured out, but until they get more consistent play at quarterback, I think you know we're going to be looking at games. Maybe not quite as dramatic as Virginia Tech, but games that are fairly all over the board the rest of the season. It's hard to it's hard to just go into games being like, "Well, we need another fourth quarter comeback, no problem." Eventually, you're going to run out of uh, run out of luck in that situation. All right. Uh, finally, we have we spend all this time on the offense. We don't talk about the defense. Where do you feel the defense is at? It feels like there maybe was a little bit of a setback last week against Virginia tech gets overlooked a little bit because they won the game. Um, but mm -hmm. where, where do you feel the defense is out at after some ups and downs really this season? Yeah, I, I, they've certainly improved right from Florida state on. I thought that to me, one of the big weaknesses of the defense or, or one of my big questions about the defense from the very start of fall camp was like, are their corners really that good? Um, and then when we go out to practice, the way that the practices were structured, like we didn't see the corners make plays, but we didn't see them get beat a lot either. So you're just sitting there thinking like, this is a question that sort of has been unanswered. And the season starts and you see Cam Hart really come on. The Wisconsin game was big for him. I thought he played well against Cincinnati as well. You know, Clarence Lewis struggled a little bit more. Um, but I thought that position got stretched and kind of exposed a little bit at Virginia Tech in a way that, you know, will USC's pass game be able to do this? Will Sam Howell be able to do this? I mean, Virginia's quarterback, Brendan Armstrong, is averaging you know, more than 400 yards offense per game. 
that that position is going to have to get better in the second half of the season. But, you know, in terms of the front seven, the pressure that Marcus Freeman has been able to find, what Kyle Hamilton does at the back, I think the defense is sort of on schedule. Um, they just need better, more consistent play at corner. And if they if they get that, then I think that they will be they'll be pretty good from here the rest of the season. Pete, thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy the bye week. All right. Anytime, Anj. Thanks. That's Pete Sampson from The Athletic. If you're looking for great Notre Dame coverage or great inside coverage on any team or sport, The Athletic is a great place to subscribe to. It's one of the few subscriptions I do pay for myself. Well worth the price. Thanks again to Pete on his take on where things stand for Notre Dame football. All right, we uh, gave you Notre Dame's schedule the rest of the way earlier in the show. The Irish should be favored in every game the rest of the season, as we mentioned, with not one team left on the schedule ranked in the top 25. In fact... Not one remaining Notre Dame opponent is even receiving votes in the top 25, nor has any opponent Notre Dame has defeated been ranked or receiving votes at this time. The only opponent Notre Dame has played this year or will play that's ranked is their only loss, Cincinnati. The Bearcats are now ranked third in the country. Georgia is the new number one after Alabama lost to Texas A&M. My wife's alma mater, Iowa, is up to number two after defeating Penn State. Then it's Cincy, Oklahoma, and Bama to round out the top five. Ohio State is sixth, followed by Penn State, Michigan, Oregon, and Michigan State. Kentucky is 11th, Oklahoma State is 12th, and Ole Miss is 13th. Notre Dame remains at number 14 and shows the winner of Virginia Tech did not impress anyone as both Kentucky and Ole Miss jumped over Notre Dame and the Irish did not even move up a single spot. Despite their lackluster schedule, if Notre Dame wins out, the Irish will easily be in the top 25, but the schedule almost certainly is probably going to keep them out of any hope of making the college football playoff unless there's absolute chaos, but there could be absolute chaos this season. But again, most Irish fans are are taking the old coaching mantra right now. Let's win one one game at a time because right now this team can beat or lose to anyone left on the schedule. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Ilya Glasman for Kevin Downey. I'm Angel DiCarlo. Notre Dame off today. One week from now, they will host arch rival USC in the first night game at Notre Dame Stadium this season. We, of course, will be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays to preview the battle with Troy. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Indiana Physical Therapy is your choice for physical and occupational therapy. 
We treat all walks of life, from peewees to professionals, Olympians, and those in between. Schedule at one of our 21 locations without a doctor's order. We accept all insurance plans and have the highest credentialed and most reputable staff. Open 7 to 7 to schedule the same day you call. Indiana Physical Therapy. Call 260-209-2464 or visit indianapt.com, where people go to get better. 